Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, Poker and Politics here. This is a bonus podcast this week. It is just me complaining about poker on television and in the movies and all that good stuff. And if you know anyone who has any contact with anyone in the entertainment industry, tell them for 75 bucks and a coupon to Red Lobster. Well, maybe something more local than that for me. But let me look at the script if they got poker involved. Let me look at it. Let me fix this. Let me save you from being a moron. Because it's really enraging seeing a game that millions of people play and they can never tell the story of poker accurately on the screen. They just can't do it. And it's really enraging to someone who's been around poker their entire life. So I this all happened because I saw a video called like best hands in poker in on in movies or best movie scenes involving poker uh whatever you want to call it. And of course it had rounders and the main problem with rounders is there's no skill in any of the hands. It's all just monster hand running into monster hand for uh all ins. And that's it's not very exciting poker when you understand the game. It's really not interesting to see someone with the best possible hand crush somebody with the second best possible hand. That's just lame. It's really uh, it's dull. And um, the main problem with rounders besides that is the fact that the things going on around the games are wrong. Like uh, the first scene. When Mike McDee loses all his money to Teddy KGB, he buys in for $30,000, and it's a big deal. He's risking all his money to play in this ultra-high-stakes game. And then he loses all his money in the big hand to Teddy KGB. And the thing is, is in that hand, he's at a table, and they're playing four-handed, and the other two guys that are not KGB have, like, no money in front of them. And if you calculate the amount of money that Mike 
uh, bets and loses in that hand, it's about $50,000. So, he has bought in for thirty, and he is up $20,000. And this is, based on the story that we've been told, life-altering money for Mike. That he literally had, his all of his poker winnings, all of his savings had equaled $30,000. And at this moment, he is has almost doubled it. And, all, and again, he's at a table where the only other player that has money that he can actually beat to win uh, substantial money from is KGB. And in the Rounders universe, KGB is an excellent poker player. He is a very skilled uh, player who is dangerous and when Mike meets up with Worm and Worm's like hey what are you doing how you doing are you killing it are you crushing it and um, Mike says I sat with a mad Russian and he emptied my pockets and Worm immediately is like oh man you got beat by KGB because that's what happens when you play KGB you, you lose to him and he takes all your money so Mike's a smart guy he knows the lineup he knows how dangerous his opponent is He's up almost double his starting buy-in, and he has no opponents that are not dangerous to play against. He should just rack up and leave up $20,000. He should never be involved in that hand against KGB. It's, it's very silly. And the way the hand actually plays itself out is also kind of silly, because the idea that Mike is going to get paid off with his full house when Teddy makes his flush is kind of absurd because the board paired and uh, the line that Mike took on the hand is a very uh, obvious full house line in the sense that uh, the flop comes out ace nine eight and he has ace nine so he's flop top two pair he leads strong KGB calls the turn is a nine to give him a full house and he checks and Teddy checks behind and the river's a spade and then KGB leads into him for uh, 15,000 Dollars and Mike moves all in. Mike's line of uh, preflop raise, uh, raise the strong on the pot, uh, or bet strong on the on the flop, check turn, and then jam river is alarm bells that he's got a full house because he wouldn't have played uh, flush that strong pre um, post flop and. If he made his flush on the river, he wouldn't be jamming it to potentially lose to a full house. And so by the same token, the odds that Teddy calls him a flush here if he's a good player are not high. So that makes no sense. And as it turns out, Teddy has aces full and crushes him and takes all his money. So uh, Mike's play is questionable, but again... It's just television poker. It's movie poker where I have the second best hand and I go all in. Oh no, you have the first best hand. Wom, wom, wom. And that's, it's annoying. It's really just, there's no skill. There's no nuance. There's no craft. And the last hand is the exact opposite where we never see what KGB's cards are. But Mike has the stone cold nuts, an unbeatable hand. And, KD, K, and KGB goes nuts and it makes no sense. Like at the end... When uh, Mike checks the river to him and KGB gives the big speech and then goes all in, 
if Mike can't beat him, Mike just folds, and the hand and the and their heads up match continues. Teddy's just like, now I've destroyed you, and all your money is mine. I'm all in, and as if Mike is compelled against his will to have to call and put the money in the pot, uh, even though he, if he's losing and he just wants to fold, he can. So like the the whole uh, tone of the final hand is weird and incorrect. But the uh, the two actual biggest mistakes in Rounders are, one, the scene when Mike gets the piss beat out of him by the cops along with Worm. And the reason why I don't like this scene is because they force Mike to play a hand when he knows Worm is probably cheating. He, he already got three kings from Worm and folded them immediately because he knows what Worm is doing. And he's trying to tell Worm, look, dude, I don't, I'm not going to cheat these guys. I'm not going to cheat these cops. Like, don't, don't deal me, don't deal me rigged hands. Don't deal me coolers to try to rip these guys off. And what happens in the scene is Mike uh, checks an ace. That's what he says. And Worm is like, checks an ace, huh? And everyone else checks. And then... Worm deals out the next cards, and that's when he gives Mike three of a kind, and and then the, they catch him with the loaded deck and beat the piss out of him. In Seven Card Stud, there is a bet on the first uh, round called a bring-in, which is the lowest card, the worst card has to pay a certain amount of money to initiate betting action. So... Uh, if you get dealt the two of clubs, you're going to bring it in. And usually it's a small bet. Like uh, in, in a 5-10 stud game, you'd bring it in for like five. And then everyone else could react to your bring-in. But in this game, they don't have a bring-in because they have to trap Mike into seeing that fourth card. That's the seven that gives him three of a kind that Worm loaded the deck for. And the cop catches Worm doing that and then they beat the shit out of Worm and Mike. When in reality, there'd be a bring-in and Mike would just keep folding every time Worm touched the deck until Worm got the message, like, play it clean. Don't give me, uh, don't try to load the deck. Don't give me cards. Because if you do that, this can be the outcome where you get caught and we lose all our money and get nearly murdered by cops that have a right to beat the piss out of us for cheating them. So... I am annoyed by that, but the worst uh, moment of the uh, movie is uh, the judges game. When Mike walks in, just looks at the table for five seconds, and then reads all the old men's hands perfectly. And if Mike can do that, then Mike is God, and he should be playing poker all the time and making infinite money. And that's just, it's just silly. Um, No one can make those kinds of reads instantaneously upon just observing a game for the first time. Uh, it's impossible. So, oh yeah, I mean, the characters of Rounders are good, the story is good, it's very quotable, there's a lot of fun to it. It, I mean, if you were of the of my age and you got into poker at this time, if you didn't chew on some Oreos and talk about these kinds of things or have someone at the table do those things, I mean, you, you lived a sheltered life. But, on the whole, the actual poker itself is uh, bad. And then, 
the other, the next scene I saw was uh, from Molly's game. And the initial scene, this scene goes on for a while. And the crime here isn't so much that the poker is bad, which it is. And that's not great. But the problem here, what makes this really indefensible is the storytelling is bad. And I can forgive a movie for getting the poker wrong because they're always going to get the poker wrong. It seems inevitable that they're not going to figure out how to accurately portray poker ever. Again, 50 bucks and a coupon to, I don't know, Texas Roadhouse? I'd like a steak. Uh, bam, I will, I will fix your poker scene for you. I will, I will handle that for you. Um, but the initial, the, the initial poker hand is the good player named Harlan gets bluffed by a bad player who's actually known as Bad Brad. And this is a fine story to tell, that a bad player bluffs a good player. It happens all the time. The problem with what they said in the movie is that a good player would never do the things that Harlan did, and the hand made no sense because they they talk about it for a moment. They talk about the line that Bad Brad took, and Molly's like, it just so happened that the way Brad played the hand, it looked exactly like he had pocket kings, which is not a real thing. I mean, you can put somebody on a hand directly if you really want to like make a laser read like that, but good poker players will tell you that the way you play these kinds of hands is you make uh, you put a person on a range of hands. And the other thing about this is the whole idea that he had pocket kings is ridiculous because the king comes out on the river. So you're telling me that Brad played his hand the way he did all the way to the end and then got incredibly lucky and made a king to make a full house. And they said in the commentary by Molly that Brad um, check-raised the turn. And on the turn... Harlan, the good player, made a full house. So why Harlan wouldn't just uh, four-bet him or move all in in the face of the check-raise, well, three-bet him or move all in on the check-raise is makes no sense. And if Harlan actually just called the check-raise with a full house, then he's never folding the river to any bet because you are calling a check-raise on the turn to induce action to get the stack all in on the river. And that little, and the thing is, is that the way the narration from Molly is told, it just sounds like somebody listened to a bunch of buzzwords about poker online, about uh, carotid artery flushing and stiff hands, and they just like looked up a couple terms for tells, and then they looked up a couple terms for how you bet in poker, and they heard the term check raise and the term call and preflop and all this kind of stuff. It, it really just sounded like a person who didn't know exactly how poker worked, but they were just going to throw a bunch of words together and hope they bamboozled the audience enough into buying what they said. And that, I mean, that's fine if you're trying to bamboozle people who don't understand, but when you actually have people watching the movie who do know what poker is and understand how it works, it becomes very frustrating. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now the movie shifts from bad poker to bad storytelling. And this is, again, unforgivable. Because you're supposed to know how uh, poker works. You're supposed to... I mean, you're supposed to know how storytelling works. You're supposed to be able to craft a narrative. When you are writing a script for a movie or a television show or anything, you're trying to tell a tale. You're trying to explain something and you're showing the results of a person's actions. Like if a guy uh, develops a crippling drug addiction, uh, the moment he hits rock bottom or he overdoses and has to be resuscitated or he dies, that's like the outcome of the drug addiction. And by the same token, like a, a, a dirty cop breaking the rules more and more has his day of reckoning when his crimes are exposed. Uh, like the end, of, like the ending of the Shield, where all of uh, Vic Mackey's uh, buddies get arrested or are, are dead, and then uh, Vic himself has to kind of live a life of quiet exile after he conned his way into a uh, immunity deal. So uh, all of like this is the nature of storytelling, and so that hand happens where Harlan gets bluffed by the idiot, and he goes on tilt. And this is a fine story to tell, that a good player now uh, is emotionally rattled by losing a big hand that they shouldn't have lost, and now they start playing badly. And that's fine. I mean, tell that story 10 out of 10 times. That's that's fine. The problem is, they get to uh, the big hand, the moment when he finally... Uh, decides to uh, bet it all against one of his opponents for big money. And the problem with this hand is Harland is dealt two queens and his opponent is dealt ace-king and the flop comes out queen-7-7 seven, seven, giving Harland a full house and the other guy moves all in with nothing and Harland beats him into the pot with a call. Now, Harlan loses. The guy hits runner, runner, king to make a bigger full house to beat him. And that's just like really crazy bad luck. And that's the problem with this story. The tale you were telling was that Harlan is on tilt. He's irrational. He's losing more money than he's ever lost. People who have been beaten by him for years are now running into the room to get their money back from him because now he's just giving it away hand over fist. So you have, that is our story, that Harland is losing, and he's losing big, and he's playing bad poker, and he can't see it. He can't get out of his own way, and he's self-destructing, and he's imploding in a brutal way. And how do they show us Harland's implosion? 
how do they show us that Harland is now doing bad things and playing erratically? By getting his money and it's almost a 99% favorite to win. They did not tell the story of Harland playing erratically, badly, and poorly and getting crushed. What they told us was, Harlan bought in for a lot more money than got his money in way good against a total fish and bad luck hit him. Waka waka! And it's fine to tell the story of a guy taking a bad beat. That's poker. And you can use a bad beat story as a way to show the cruelty of the game. The fact that uh, a, a good player of a lot of skill cannot overcome the very the the variance of the deck that luck is a part of this game and it is inevitable and you've got to handle those swings and if you can't you can't be a high stakes professional poker player and that would have been a fine story to tell and I would have loved them to tell that story but they didn't they were telling us the story of a man who was falling apart and playing badly and then they show us him playing great which is enraging cuz that's a bad story. You didn't show me what you were supposed to be showing me. I mean, this would be... It's the exact opposite of everything that you were doing. Going back to the whole cop thing, this would be like a cop who's going off the rails and like now uh, doing stuff recklessly and not by the book. And... The next thing you show us is a scene where he goes to uh, he investigates he investigates like a robbery, and the robber like comes charging out of the bank and like fires like five bullets at him, and the cop returns fire and kills him. That would be a by the book justified shooting. That didn't tell the story of the cop freaking out and breaking the law and doing bad things. You just showed us him doing things the way cops are supposed to do them in America where we let cops shoot people that shoot at them. I mean, like, it's just it's just so incorrect. It's the exact reverse of the story that they were supposed to be telling. And that they couldn't see that they were telling the story wrong goes to show how totally misunderstanding they are about poker. How they just don't get it at all. And it's, it's mind-blowing. It really is baffling to me that you could make this film like this and not even know what you're trying to say. You you don't even know what you're putting on the screen. You're just like, well, the guy uses a big hand and it's really dramatic. Ain't that poker? Yeah, it's poker, but it's not a guy on tilt. Well, Mike, how does he... How do you tell the story right, Mr. Big Shot? Let's see you write a scene. Okay, I will write the scene right now. So Harlan loses the big hand. He goes on tilt. He's just losing his money. We then bring in a character. Uh, we'll call him Brooklyn for the sake of argument. Like guy in his like late fifties, early sixties. Got the got the tight beard, white beard, nice suit jacket, slacks, fresh, just bought it Yankee cap on. And Molly gives us the rundown on Brooklyn because there's poker generally needs to have some sort of narration or commentary to convey the situation. And Brooklyn's obviously the ringer we're just bringing in here to kill Harlan. And so Molly explains to us that Brooklyn and Harlan have a long history, that they've been playing poker against each other for like 20 years now. And that Harlan 
has always had the upper hand on Brooklyn because he knows Brooklyn will always kind of show himself when the pressure is on. That he's able to easily read Brooklyn based on what he does in the big moments. And so if he makes the big bet and Brooklyn re-raises him, he knows to fold. And by the same token that when he makes the big bet and Brooklyn doesn't have it, Brooklyn will usually fold to him and that will be how he wins. So he has Brooklyn pegged. He knows exactly what to do in the in the biggest of moments at the highest stakes to get the proper read on the situation. And you have Harlan look down at two jacks. And Brooklyn is put in a raise pre-flop. And Harlan re-raises him. And he goes back to Brooklyn. And then Brooklyn puts in another raise. And now Harlan gives him the hard stare. And now Harlan puts in the next raise. He puts in the big, the real big bet. And you have all the people that are watching the game, like start like looking at each other and, oh, oh man, it's serious now. Oh, it's going down. The standard way that people react to big poker games in movies. And then Brooklyn looks at him, gives him the stare, plays with his chips, looks at him. And then Brooklyn moves all in. And we've already established that Harland knows that this means that Brooklyn has the big hand. This means that Brooklyn does have the pocket aces. And you can even beat the audience over the head with it. You could have Molly say it. That, like, Harland knows now that, that Brooklyn has aces. There's no two ways about it. You can just just lay it on thick. That what Har- if Harland calls this bet, if Harland moves all in... Deep down in his gut, he knows he's making a mistake. He knows he's playing badly. But again, he's emotional. He's on tilt. He's irrational. So he makes the bad call, and he loses. His jacks are obviously no good, and Brooklyn does have the aces, and he gets cleaned out. That is how you tell the story of a guy on tilt losing all of his money. You put him in a situation where if he was in a sound mind, if he was playing rationally, he would never make that mistake. But because we've established that he is irrational, he is tilted, he is freaking out, he does make the mistake, he does lose all of his chips, and them's the breaks. It's just that simple. I mean, this really isn't that hard to figure out. It's really just storytelling 101. This is the proper resolution for the story you were telling. And uh, lastly, there was a scene from the television show Billions where they played poker. And what they did was they reenacted a uh, hand that Stu Unger made a crazy read on a guy and beat him with 10 high to win a big heads-up tournament, as it were. Now, the thing about that hand is that the guy that Stewie beats makes a terrible play on the uh, post-flop. Because the guy only has four or five, and Stewie makes a big bet, as does the uh, character in the uh, show. And on a 7-3-3 board, calling a big bet with four or five is dumb. And the hand plays out uh, kind of the way that it played out in in real life. But on the turn, uh, the guy 
checked the king, and then on the river, uh, he bluffed the queen. And Stewie just says, you either got five, six, or four or five. You just chased a gut shot, I call you. And Stewie has ten high, and he beats the guy. And this hand is annoying and not great, but at the very least, the character of Taylor... They are supposed to be very analytical and very cerebral, and they're a gamer. Uh, they played Netrunner earlier in the show, and the Netrunner scene was done so well. It's so crazy that they got poker wrong when poker is like uh, not a niche thing. But Netrunner, a game nobody fucking plays, they got it really right, and it and it's just like man if you can get the niche game right you can get the poker right and I completely understand like what they were thinking when they did it they were like oh we got this crazy Stew Unger hand and we're gonna have Taylor play the role of Stewie and the guy the, the guy they beat is this like just piece of shit loser who's gonna be the, the, the Jamoke it's gonna be great and I understand the uh, the desire to do the hand the way they did but tell your own story and just uh, make it a better story. And the other thing is that they can justify anything those characters did because they're not high-stakes players. This this tournament they were involved in is just a kind of uh, ego uh, thing between all these different corporations playing in these charity tournaments. And uh, Taylor was brought in to be the ringer to help... Uh, the company win the, the tournament so they would be able to say, hey, our company won the big charity poker tournament so you can all go to hell. Which, that's fine. But still, it's it's really weird. It's, uh, it's very odd to have like an amateur player uh, call with 10 high to win the big pot. And I, again, I understand why they did it, but it's just... It's not great. It's not great. So uh, that is me complaining about poker on uh, in, in entertainment because they just get it wrong so often and it's not hard to get it right. I mean, how tough would it be to get a hold of uh, Phil Ivey or Daniel Legrandu or Antonio Spaziari or Michelle Ho uh, or any of these other like, pros... And just be like, hey, we'll put you on TV. You can be a player in the big poker game. We'll give you an acting credit. Just just look over this scene and make sure the poker's clean. Just make sure the poker makes sense. And I don't think it would be that tough. And, I mean, Phil Helmuth would like uh, would like push his grandmother down to get in front of a camera. That guy lives for attention. So I just don't think it would be really that hard to find somebody who would want to do this for you. Yet, it seems like Hollywood is just completely oblivious. And I and I mean, I get, like, a lot of these things. I've had a bunch of people reply to me and be like, oh, they get everything wrong. Oh, you wouldn't believe what they get wrong on this front or that front or blah, blah, blah. And I get that. But, like, military, hospitals, police, all this kind of stuff, you kind of have to know the job and be a soldier or be a cop or be a doctor in order to, like, understand how wrong it is. Whereas poker is a thing that anyone can play. And anyone can read a poker book and become mediocre or at least have, like, 
fundamental knowledge. So it's just, it's really baffling to me that they can't get this right. And they should be able to get it right. Because again, I'll do it. 50 bucks, Red Lobster. Let's go. Let's do this. So uh, that's my diatribe. This is your bonus podcast for the week, you lucky so-and-sos. And I will uh, catch you all tomorrow night uh, with just the burning hell world of Donald Trump being totally cool with our soldiers being murdered by Taliban uh, fighters who are being paid by Russia to kill our troops. Sounds great. Wonderful. Uh, Good thing we elected that guy. Uh, Fuck that bitch in her emails. Couldn't let her be president. No way, no how. So uh, catch you all tomorrow and have a good one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.